3: Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a
4: Thursday morning, it's October 26. Hope you're doing well. There's a number of breaking news stories that we're following for you, including a horrible shooting out east in the state of Maine, the town of Lewiston. Hundreds of police are combing that state in search for a man accused of killing at least 16 people. Some say as many as 10, some say 16, some say 20. They're still trying to get a handle on the number of people that were killed, but there were dozens that were hurt in this mass shooting. Police have identified the possible suspect as a 40-year-old man named Robert Card, who went on a shooting spree last night. We'll have more details in the news, but that's a big story, as well as, of course, the election of the very strong pro-life, pro-family politician Mike Johnson, who has been chosen as the Speaker of the House. We'll have more information on his election coming up in the news in just a few minutes. I do want to let you know what's coming up in the program today. Very much looking forward to chatting with the one and only Father Mitch Pacwa. I don't know how many of you have yet to visit, and I hope you do this every day because I do, CatholicNewsAgency.com and the National Catholic Register and CRegister.com, but National Catholic Register and CNA have a really good story about a book which features some very, very clear and strong quotes from Pope Francis regarding holy orders. And despite what some going into the Senate may have been hoping for or thinking might happen, which it can't because you can't change those things. Now, it is possible based on the tradition in the church that priests could marry, but in terms of women being priests or deacons, the Pope says holy orders are reserved for men. Now, this came in a book... And the book is being released, and Catholic News Agency dove into it quite deeply in the story, and we'll mention it, of course, with the interview, of course, with Father Mitch Paco coming up at 15 minutes past the hour, but talking about the teaching of the church in general, in terms of how misguided that people, and there were many of them talking about it, going to the city and saying, we're going to make this happen with that mindset, which is just completely wrong, and it's not even factual, because the synod is not a legislative body. It doesn't go in and say, okay, we're going to vote on this and change this teaching and change this teaching. But what they can do is they can change perception. And we all know that perception is reality. But even now with this book out, I wonder how many are going to see this and realize what the truth is. And hopefully they'll have more clarity on the beauty of why women don't have to be priests or deacons in order to be equal and in order to have platforms in the church. I do think we need to study this more so people understand why. Why is it? Someone asked me that once, and I said, because equality doesn't have to equal sameness. We're different. We're equal but different. Why is that such a problem? So anyway, we'll talk more about that with Father Mitch Bakwa. I think we should discuss it and not be afraid of it. The Church has beautiful teachings on this. If you look at what Pope Paul VI wrote and John Paul II the problem is, we don't take the time to read these documents and understand male and female complementarity. If we took the time and said, Okay, Lord, I'm confused about this, and even if you don't agree with it, open your mind and your heart, and I guarantee there'll be clarity if you allow the Holy Spirit to work and help you understand this. Okay, that's with Father Mitch Pacwa. He joins us every Thursday with Cultural Connections, and then we're going to have some good news on the secular media. Woohoo, what a concept! This is a very, very positive story about the beautiful film about the life of Mother Teresa taking the media by storm, including a television network. We'll give you the details. We'll wrap up the show with that at 39 minutes past the hour. So that is our program for today on a Thursday. Weather-wise, we have heavy snow from the northern Rockies into the northern plains and heavy rainfall for the central U.S. And now parts of the east are actually going to be getting record warmer temperatures. National Weather Service saying heavy snow, hazardous travel conditions continuing across the northern Rockies into the northern plains. That will happen today. Further east, heavy rainfall, including possible flooding, extends from the southern plains into the Great Lakes. And the threat of additional heavy rain extending into the weekend for the southern plains and lower Mississippi. And then record warmth, as we mentioned, spreading to the eastern third of the country on a Thursday. Right now, four minutes past the hour. It's a busy news day, including, as we said, that breaking story out of Maine. So let's get started and see what's happening in and around the world on this October 26th. Well, as we mentioned, a manhunt continuing in Lewiston, Maine, after at least 10 people, possibly as many as 20, were killed in a shooting spree and more than 50 others hurt, as Rory O'Neill tells us more.
0: The shootings happened at two locations, a bowling alley and a restaurant in the town about 150 miles north of Boston. Police quickly identified a person of interest as 40-year-old Robert Card. If people see him, they should not approach Card or
1: make contact
0: with him in any way. Card is a certified firearms instructor and a member of the Army Reserve who recently experienced some mental health issues. Police have not discussed a possible motive.
4: In other breaking news, a new Speaker of the House after the Chamber was without a leader for more than three weeks. The Honorable Mike Johnson of the
5: State of Louisiana has received 220 votes. (laughs) And the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the State of New York has received 209
3: votes.
4: The pro-life Louisiana Republican Mike Johnson receiving enough votes to win the Speakership yesterday following failed attempts from three of his fellow Republicans. Johnson was first elected to Congress back in 2016, and he sits on the House Judiciary Committee. His voting record earned him an A+, according to Catholic News Agency, on the most recent Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America scorecard. CNA reporting also has a lifetime score of 90% from the conservative advocacy group The Heritage Foundation. He's a strong believer in American exceptionalism, and during his speech on Wednesday said, he genuinely believes in his heart that the best days of America are still ahead. During his congressional session, he served as a chair of Subcommittee on Constitution and Limited Government and as a member of the House Judiciary Committee of the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Meanwhile, the new Republican Speaker of the House is promising to find common ground with Democrats. Mike Johnson taking the gavel yesterday and adding he indeed will hit the ground running.
5: The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down
4: johnson again getting enough votes to win the speakership following failed attempts from three fellow republicans he acknowledged the process was a grueling battle but he says he's humbled and added he will immediately address pressing issues
5: we stand at a very dangerous time i'm stating the obvious we all know that the world is in turmoil but a strong america is good for the entire world
4: he is replacing California Republican Kevin McCarthy, who was recently voted out of his position by a handful of conservatives and Democrats. As comes as Congress is facing a long list of pressing issues, including passing legislation to fund the government before mid-November and providing aid to both Ukraine and Israel. A new report says Israel has agreed to delay its expected Gaza offensive to allow a U.S. missile defense system to become operational. The Wall Street Journal reporting the U.S. wants to position missile defenses to protect American troops against Iran-backed attacks. Two dozen American military personnel were injured last week in a series of drone attacks at U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria. And Richard Stelling tells us there's a push from the state of Virginia's governor for faith-based organizations to help provide mental health care.
5: Governor Glenn Youngkin is challenging local faith leaders to help those dealing
1: with mental health issues. Youngkin was in Henrico County yesterday for a Right Help Right Now forum. He announced churches and nonprofits could apply for micro grants to train people to help those in need and provide direct care. Youngkin says we must partner with faith-based organizations of all religions and community organizations to bring healing and hope to our neighbors. Richmond pastor Valerie Coley was at the forum and she's eager to work with the governor. She tells CBS 6, "We need to jump on this ASAP."
4: Concerned students at the University of Notre Dame objecting to an upcoming drag show set to be held on campus as part of a one-credit course, which the university has defended as falling under academic freedom. As Catholic News Agency explains, in a letter to the editor published this week, the Observer Student Newspaper seniors Madeline Stoud and Merlot Fogarty said they had both reached out via email on behalf of themselves and other concerned students to Father Jerry Olinger, Vice President of Student Affairs, to object to the planned November 3rd show, which is set to follow a symposium on efforts to ban drag. In their email, the concerned students said they expressed to the priest that university funding will be paying drag artists to come to Notre Dame, dress as women, defile femininity, And most importantly, promote the disordered ideology that gender and sexuality are fluid in direct contradiction to Catholic Church teaching. Catholic News Agency explains the show is planned as part of a course taught by a professor for a class titled, What a Drag, Drag on Screen, Variations and Meanings, Offered Through the Film, Television, and Theater Programs at Notre Dame, according to the Irish Rover newspaper. Texas is looking to increase the penalty for human smuggling and operating a stash house as a way to deal with the surge of illegal immigration.
1: It targets the perpetrators of the crime, the smugglers or the coyotes as we call them, not those that are being smuggled.
4: The bill's author, state rep Ryan Guaylan, says the cartels are paying people big bucks to work as their smugglers. The increased penalties, he says, would make that proposition much less attractive. Democrats say the penalties are too harsh and fear it would criminalize family members who drive an undocumented relative to the store. House Republicans are taking aim at the IRS for using billions in newly allocated funding to go after average Americans. Texas Congressman Pete Sessions says the super-rich are still finding ways to beat the system.
6: The number of people making $5 million not paying taxes...
4: There were calls in a House oversight hearing this week to prior prioritize a processing of returns over the expansion of audits. Republicans also want accountability for agents who target conservative groups, even though the IRS says that has been debunked. The federal agency telling Congress they need 50,000 new employees to keep up with a growing population. And new data revealing that you'll have to stay in your house, as Aaron Rial t- tells us, for more than, get this, 10 years before you can decide to sell or make a profit. Historically, experts have said that you need to stay in your
1: home for at least 5 years to break even, but with mortgage rates inching towards 8%, new homeowners will need to stay put longer in order to avoid going underwater. According to data from Zillow, it can take up to 13 and a half years to break even on a
3: $375,000 home if you put 3% down on a 30-year loan at 7%. The abundance of fixed-rate mortgages in the economy have rendered it largely immune to the Fed's rate hikes, thereby forcing the central bank into a higher for longer stance
4: the rangers and diamondbacks are set to go head to head for a world series title texas hosting arizona for game one of the fall classic at globe life field and that happens tomorrow night and this saturday well it's national prescription drug take back day the goal is to keep prescription painkillers from being misused as two-thirds of people who do so get them from a friend or family member It's meant to educate the public about the potential of abuse when using medications. The CDC estimating over 107,000 people died from drug overdoses just last year in 2022. And it turns out teens actually want less sexual content and romance on their screens. A study from UCLA finds Generation Z would rather see platonic relationships in entertainment Researchers say Gen Z craves feel-good character relationships after being isolated during COVID. The trend is being labeled as nomance, and that's an interesting study from UCLA. Interesting because think of all the sexual content we have in the media today. And New Jersey residents, well, they're divided after learning that an Essex County school district decided to, as Natalie Migliore tells us in this story, cancel Halloween. South Orange Maplewood schools say ending Halloween events during school hours ensures no one feels excluded, and kids can
1: celebrate the holiday after school. For a long time, our elementary school hasn't really celebrated Halloween during the school day for this exact reason. For some people, it's kind of like, what's
3: next? I figured sooner or later it would come around. You know, they can go out after school. It's drawn Governor Murphy's attention, leading him to comment, Seriously? We can't let kids
4: celebrate Halloween? Give me a break. One parent says there could have been other options to ensure kids can still participate, like a donation drive for costumes. It is a Thursday morning, 13 minutes past hour. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. And because it's a Thursday, that means we are going to be featuring, as we do, try always to do every week, Father Mitch Pacwa and our cultural connections. So have you heard about this story yet? Some might be surprised. You can find it at catholicnewsagency.com. What does a pope have to say about women deacons and priests? Well, holy orders reserved for men. More on that coming up. Stay tuned.
0: He is only one of four popes honored as the great. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Leo I was pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
5: Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with a book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out.
1: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive
6: index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed
5: by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria
1: Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
4: Hannah Braukhous wrote this excellent piece on Catholic News Agency and it was posted yesterday Pope Francis reaffirming the impossibility of women becoming priests or even modern church deacons in an interview for a book released this week in Italy. The question of whether some women in the early church were deaconesses or another kind of collaborator with the bishop is not irrelevant because holy orders is reserved for men, the Pope said. The Pope answers to questions about women's roles in the church were included in a book published in June in Spanish. The book, whose title means in English, The Shepherd's Struggles, Reasons and Thoughts on His Papacy, was released in Italian on October 24th. So that would be today's Thursday. That would be Tuesday. The Italian edition is titled You Are Not Alone, Challenges, Answers, and Hopes. About the possibility of women deacons, Francis pointed out that the diaconate is a first degree of holy orders in the Catholic Church, followed by the priesthood and finally the episcopate. He said he formed commissions in 2016 and 2020 to study the question after a study in the 80s by the International Theological Commission established the role of deaconesses in the early church was comparable to the benedictions of abbesses. In response to a question about why he's against female priesthood, Francis told an Argentine journalist and the Italian journalist who co-wrote the book that it's a theological issue. I think we would undermine the essence of the church if we considered only the priestly ministry, that is a ministerial way, he said, pointing out that women mirror Jesus in the bride of Christ. So Father, this is very refreshing and very clear from the Pope. Unfortunately, there were so many people going into the synod who are still pushing for a female priesthood and a female Mm -hmm. diaconate. So what's your response Mm -hmm. to to what the Holy Father is saying in this book? And thanks for joining us today.
6: My pleasure to be with you. This uh, gets at something that is much more than just, uh, as a matter of fact, I would add this. He makes it clear this is not, in his mind or in the mind of the church, a way of denigrating women, and mm-hmm. uh, this is, uh, as a matter of fact, it's important to note. Uh, while he established his apostles as his first bishops, and the, the the Saint Peter's the head of the bishops and the head of the church on earth. Nonetheless, the holiest person in the history of the Church is and will always be a woman, the Blessed Mm -hmm. Virgin Mary. She is uh, conceived without sin. The yo-yos that he chose to be bishops and the the head of the Church uh, among the Twelve Apostles were all sinners, and at least I had the honesty to lay that out in the New Testament their own sins and failings are laid right there, Um, whereas the holiness is what matters most in heaven and in eternity, and the norm for that is set by a woman. But you have to remember that priesthood is a sacrament. Now. As you recall, uh, from uh, did you have the Baltimore Catechism?
4: No, but I, I, well, your, I learned enough about kid, it when I was uh, studying my way back. Didn't have it the old way. <laughs> uh, yes. You kids anyway, today,
6: what what is a sacrament? A sacrament is a sign, an outward sign instituted mm-hmm. by Christ to communicate grace. That's key. It's an outward sign. It's pointing to something else. And the priesthood points to Christ the High Priest. It's a sign Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ that the limitation of men to the priesthood is about pointing to Jesus as the High Priest exactly the same way that at Mass the use of bread and wine points to his body and blood you cannot use cookies and milk you cannot use beer and pretzels and again you kids don't remember this but back in the 60s when i was a kid there were there were a number of people who were trying to say we should have mass with milk and cookies i actually saw a preface for a mass that was written that, thank God, for Oreo cookies and milk. And mm. they were saying that should be uh, appropriate elements for a children's mass. No, especially what? when you're using brand names. And others were proposing, look, a lot of working-class guys don't drink wine, so let's have beer and pretzels. No. No that sign remains constant. It's a sign of bread and wine that goes back to Melchizedek about 1850 B.C. And you don't change the sign without disrupting the whole message. And uh, the same thing is true with the male priesthood. It's not about... uh, No, the, the male priests have to be judged by how they live their priesthood. They don't get a pass because they were ordained, whether they live that out righteously, just as women have to do. That's what's at stake in this idea of limiting the priesthood to men. And the, uh, the, the problem is this. A number of people over the last decade. Have said that the priesthood is where the power is in the church, and i re- I went to seminary with some of the foundresses of the women's ordination Conference It was an organization started back in the 70s and they said that you know at their meetings and such that we have to get into the priesthood in order to have power. And then once we're in the priesthood, we will destroy the priesthood. That was uh, uh, Elizabeth Schusler fiorenza saying that at their conference, that their goal was to end all patriarchy and all hierarchy and uh, have that power in the Church. That was but see, goal. right
4: there, Father, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to make a point as a woman. That's a total misunderstanding of what the priesthood is, for, first of all, and as bingo. someone who's married to a deacon and bingo. knows what a, what a man, in order to become a deacon, has to go through, and, and the wives are right there with them. But that you don't bingo. understand then what the priesthood and what the deacon is about. It's not about power. It's about servanthood.
6: That, bingo. Bingo. And this is, uh, and, and of course, there are men who get into the priesthood because they want to have some sort of power put a bunch of goose um, you know you know when you get into a parish the parishioners and the pastor you know are you know it doesn't work well if the pastor thinks I'm the pastor. You do whatever I say. Try that with some of the ladies at a Lebanese church and see how far they get you. (laughs) It doesn't work. The uh, it's this relationship that you have, and the pastor does have a lot of uh, role, you know, things to to say and a lot of direction. But he's in a relationship with the church, and that's the other side of this. The church is described as the bride of christ
4: yes yes
6: and is therefore symbolized by the feminine that's why sisters wear a wedding ring when they get their vows they are symbolizing the church as and they are wedded to christ it's a, of course a chaste wedding and you know it's not like the world would see and so this is a very important element, and uh, Our Lady symbolizes the Church and at, at its best, but all women symbolize that feminine quality of the Church as pride, just as you, as a married woman, mm-hmm. with your husband, symbolize the relationship of Christ and the Church by your marriage. That sacrament points toward that end times reunion of Christ with the Church.
4: Father, when we come back, some of the documents we can recommend people read to learn more and to study more about why women cannot be priests and deacons. It's got nothing to do with power, everything to do with the Bride of Christ. We'll be right back.
3: Father
2: Benedict Groeschel. In the church we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and Reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks, struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit.
5: EWTN,
0: live truth, live Catholic.
3: What is the perfect prayer? The prayer that was taught us by the Lord Jesus himself, the Our Father. The Catholic Catechism cites the Our Father as truly the summary of the whole Gospel. St. Augustine writes, Run through all the words of the holy prayers, and I do not think you will find anything in them that is not contained and included in the Lord's Prayer. The scriptures, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, says the Catechism, are all fulfilled in Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. St. Thomas Aquinas gives equally high praise to the Our Father. The Lord's Prayer, he says, is the most perfect of prayers. In it, we ask not only for all the things we can rightly desire, but also in the sequence that they should be desired. The rightness of our life in Jesus will depend on the rightness of our prayer. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
4: Encourage you to take a look at this article that's on Catholic News Agency because um, they do a great job of explaining what the Holy Father said and why. Number of interesting additional points that we've been discussing with Father Mitch Pacwa on our cultural connections on a Thursday that I want to bring out. I think, Father, when we saw a couple weeks ago at the beginning, right before the synod started, the dubia, and it came back, and the Holy Father mentioned in his response to the cardinals, including Cardinal Burke, he said that there needs to be more study about the male priesthood and this issue of of women priests. But he didn't say there should be women priests, and I think some people took it as that he was going to push for something, even though that teaching um, cannot be changed. But I think what he was saying is what he's saying here, I just wish he would say it a lot more directly. As a journalist, it's very difficult to cover him sometimes, but... Yeah. I, I think what he yeah. was meaning is, we do need to study it. People need to know why. If they knew why, it makes a lot of sense.
6: Right. And, you know, this, you know, um, th- this is the kind of thing that uh, he, he talks perhaps, uh, he, some of his background is in science, and he talks like a scientist at times, where we have to discuss what is the origin of this type of cancer, without saying... We think it comes from this, and it can't come mm-hmm. from this. You know, it, it, he, and in theology, it's not quite like, it's a science, but not quite like the other science. And so it, it would be well worthwhile laying down, here are some of the uh, limitations that we have uh, about where the discussion is going to end up. So these are some of the uh, things that are very important for us to look at. No, but now, studying the go priesthood, I, I would say it's exactly like the Holy Eucharist. People have a very uh, vague notion of the Holy Eucharist, and so they stop believing. But as we've seen over the last few years, when people started, you know, the bishops pushed to have a stronger teaching on the Holy Eucharist, the faith in the Eucharist increased. Now they start to increase their, um, uh, you know, attendance at mass. That's going to be the next step. But I think if we understand that teaching about the priesthood is a necessary thing, then you'll—I I, suspect—you'll see people having more than just the uh, father at church is a uh, administrator of the parish, but rather. And the father has this other role with a much greater depth to it, and that that may actually have an impact on young men considering why it is worthwhile, uh, you know, being a priest, giving up family, you know, mm-hmm. marriage and children. That it's worth that because this other gift indicates that the priest takes the Church as his bride, and that he loves the people of the Church as his spiritual children. Right, exactly. He becomes a spiritual father and becomes a spiritual spouse. And that he, of course, we have to have hope for the uh, fulfillment and eternal life, um, but the, loving the Church as my bride, it's not my employer, It is my bride, Mm -hmm. and that will can also change the way that we look at the priesthood and open up for those who are called to celibacy and the priesthood. Open up for them a greater possibility of saying, "If this is what the Lord is calling me to, I want to follow." It is worthwhile, but it's with understanding the priesthood that that can get clarified.
4: Right. Now, another point that the Holy Father made in this book that was brought out in the excellent Catholic News Agency article, and I think this is so important. I mean, Captain Obvious are some of the people that don't believe this, but look at the other churches where they do ordain women or they do bless so-called same-sex marriages Mm -hmm. or allow Mm -hmm. same-sex marriages. Are they just Mm -hmm. filling them to the brim and they they have to build bigger churches because so many people are coming in because this is the answer to all of our problems? No. No. The Holy Father says Lutherans ordain women. Right. Let me explain something to you. Let me me read the quote, though, first. Let me read the quote. Lutherans ordain women, but still few people go to church. Their priests can marry, but despite that, they can't grow the number of ministers. So he's basically looking at the obvious here. Okay, so you think this is the answer to all of our issues, that so many people would flood these churches? That's not the issue, he's saying. So go ahead, please.
6: Well, I was going to explain this. I studied beginning Hebrew and Greek at a Lutheran school advanced Hebrew and Greek at a Presbyterian school, and I did my PhD at a Methodist school where there was also a Methodist seminary. I got to know lots of seminarians in these churches, and the more I got to meet meet them, know them, become good friends with many of them, the more I saw that marriage is not a solution It is a different kind of problem that when you have married clergy, you have other issues. And they also were having trouble finding enough clergy. The only exception to that is the Episcopal Church. But the reason that they have so many clergy is the people have walked. And right here in Birmingham, Alabama... Uh, I, I've close to a number of uh, Methodist ministers when their church recently allowed ordination of uh, gay couples uh, when uh, uh, actually a woman was elected bishop out west and was received into the bishops and when that happened half of the congregations disassociated themselves formally from the United Methodist Church and all of the remaining half, about half of their congregations, walked. Wow. And when uh, when these kinds of changes happen in Lutheran Church, um, and it's a slightly different issue, they already had married clergy, they had women clergy, and when they united uh, three of the synods back in the 90s, and then they voted in favor of gay marriage, um, within a year, two out of seven million members walked. They left. The Episcopal Church today is so small that there are at, uh, just about uh, four and a half times as many Jewish people in New York City as there are Episcopalians in the whole country. mm and, it, and the Presbyterians, uh, uh, USA, the main branch, is even smaller. Wow! And United Church of Christ is uh, about three hundred thousand now. Uh, you know, they've done all these things. It has not attracted people. It has pushed them away mm-hmm. because it's clear that if you don't stand for the truth that Christ revealed then people will not stand for you. If you do not stay with your own founding, you fall apart. This happens to religious orders that do not remain faithful to their core identity. It happens to denominations, to specific churches, all over the world. North Africa had 300 dioceses at one time, but they because the barbarians were forced to deny the divinity of Christ and the church disappeared and the whole of North Africa has been Muslim ever since. Mm
4: -hmm. Father, out of time, we could talk to you a lot more about this and perhaps we will continue this discussion very, very soon. Father Mitch Pacwa on our Cultural Connections on a Thursday. We'll be right back.
1: Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the pre-born are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions. But it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead. Because we know from our own experience that
5: we would choose life and survival over death no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
0: Living the Beatitudes
1: with Father Bjorn
5: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see
1: God. The virtue of purity and holy chastity is certainly a very important thing, but I think we can misunderstand this beatitude. As human beings in our fallen state, we tend to love things and use people, but we're meant to use things and love people. We can manipulate in relationships and we can try to control other people and we can focus on other people as objects. But to be pure in heart is to be in love, and ultimately to be pure in heart and to be happy is to be in love with God himself as well. This beatitude calls us to have a focus on being open to choosing God, choosing life, to choose love. If
5: God is not the ultimate end of our desires and our hopes and dreams, we will be the saddest of people. Let's say yes to God and choose his way, be focused on his love and pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com.
3: I want to be a missionary to go out and give the life of Christ to the people in the missionary countries.
6: She was a small, tiny, bent woman, but she had a commanding presence. You could feel an aura about her, an aura not of power,
1: an aura of simplicity and holiness
5: she made a remarkable
6: vow to God never to refuse him anything or to give him whatever he would ask
4: the trailer to the beautiful film Mother Teresa no greater love and it's been very successful with an update on this is a director on the phone with us this morning David Nalieri David congrats and great to catch up with you again good morning
1: good morning thanks great to be with you as always thank you so much
4: all right so let's talk about the latest with the film you you're wrapping up a run on ABC correct
1: yeah so our film uh, came out last year you're very kind to give us an interview and promotion uh, at a theatrical release and it was a long film it was an hour and 15 minutes a full-on version version uh, we've got a good relationship with the broadcasting commission which does have some time slots in ABC so we were given the opportunity to uh, scale it down a bit to create a one-hour cut of our film and to make it available on ABC affiliates across the country. And we've done this before that are films produced by the Knights of Columbus. So, for us, it's a great opportunity to reach a new audience, uh, reach some people that maybe are away from the faith, that tune into secular television, and uh, to give more people an opportunity to be inspired by the life of Mother Teresa. So we're excited about the opportunity.
4: So how many many sessions do you have or segments remaining? You said there may be one through November still available to see?
1: Yeah, at our website, com. there's a list to all the broadcast listings. So we do have um, a lot of the, the airings began in the middle of September. It goes for about six weeks, and they're typically selected on the weekend. But we still got some major markets uh, that are still in play for the next few weeks, including uh, some in New York, some in Florida, um, some in the states across the Midwest. So com has all the broadcast listings. And if you want to, of course, watch the full-on version, we're available on Amazon and iTunes, and there's a trail of a lot of information on our website. So, um, so we're encouraging people to, to ABC if it's playing in their region, but if they want to watch the film, it's available now for streaming.
4: So tell us about the response with this running on ABC. I mean, you know it's had a good response in general, but what was the reaction? Have you heard anything in terms of what the, the audience is saying?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I continue to really be uh, amazed and inspired by the reaction to this film. And it's not something I pat myself on the back of, back about because it's really just uh, the incredible charisma and the spiritual witness of Mother Teresa. And the, what the film does, I think, and accomplishes is we just had the chance to, to uh, capture her in her words. We spent a lot of time canvassing archives across the, the world, all well, the countries she traveled to. And so you get in this film a sense for who she was. In interview snippets and in speeches, and just the inspirational witness she was, uh, and also capturing the work of the Missionaries of Charity today. So we had um, really privileged access to once of the hostels. We were with them in Rio de Janeiro with the drug addicts on the border, refugees in Mexico, uh, with children who were disabled uh, severely in Nairobi, Kenya. and We come ten different countries, and the, the scenes are really gripping and very arresting. And so, you know, you circle back to your question, you know, we, we, we're getting emails, we're getting messages on social media, people who are just really being inspired by the film and wanting to kind of give back and wanting to either, uh, I think the two classic responses to this film have been wanting to get closer to Jesus, wanting to be closer mm. to their faith, um, and then also wanting to, to give back more into their community, give back to the poor more, and to see more uh, Jesus in their neighbor and those who are suffering. And we continue to get really positive feedback along those lines.
4: That's awesome. We're talking with David Nellieri, director of Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. So, David, how do you go about choosing your subjects? I mean, the Catholic Church gives us such a wealth of of amazing saints and witnesses, uh, present witnesses, earlier witnesses in history. You're an Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker and producer. There's so much material. How do you decide, Okay, this is the person or this is the subject matter I'm going to concentrate on now?
1: Yeah, every project's a little bit different, uh, to be honest. Now, I'm privileged to work for the Knights of Columbus and head their mm-hmm. uh, film and production division, so a lot of my assignments come as decisions of the company, as an organization, Hey, this is a story we want to tell to serve the, the wider church. And in recent years, I've had the real honor to produce uh, documentaries highlighting two of my childhood heroes, you know, John Paul II and Mother Teresa, these two icons and spiritual giants of the 20, uh, 20th century. Um, and so in this particular case, Every case is kind of unique. There was a long-standing close partnership, a relationship between the Knights and Mother Teresa. And when she died mm-hmm. in 1997, actually, the missionaries of charity spent a lot of time uh, trying to figure out how they can make a film, a definitive film, uh, that presented Mother Teresa to the world, to new generations. And there was, they looked at a lot of Hollywood scripts. They spent a lot of time trying to find the right actress, find the right script, the right director. They always were thinking eventually there would be like a Hollywood movie. But that never really materialized. And then um, as they approached the 25th anniversary, they knew of the Knights of Columbus and our films. They really liked them, and they trusted us. And so they turned to us and asked us if we would tell the story of Mother Teresa. So it was a great honor for Scrum like Patrick Kelly to say yes to that, and um, the result has been this film. So every time it's a little bit unique, um, but obviously the opportunity to make a film on, on Mother Teresa was something uh, we just couldn't pass up.
4: Uh, in terms of the time, how long does it take to put something like this together? Does, does it vary from project to project? Yeah, in
1: general, you know, these things don't happen overnight. Um, typically, any documentary film you watch has some sort of life of, I would say, on the short end, like nine months to a year. But many pro- projects are in gestation for years, and that's often because part of it is your fundraising and you hit production lags, you've got to make changes, but... Typically, you know, it's anywhere from nine months to a year to two, three-year process. And so the real challenge for this film is we officially got launched uh, exactly one year before the 25th anniversary. And we knew we had to get this film done in time for the uh, 25th anniversary. So we basically made the film in about 11 months, uh, which is very very, un- very, very ambitious considering the fact that we traveled to 10 different countries. Uh, we did about 150 interviews, um, and it was, uh, it was very, very intense. Uh, but It was more of a question of bringing in um, a lot of different film crews, uh, juggling a lot of different responsibilities, and also a lot of, uh, you know, burning the midnight oil in order to get it done. But um, it was a labor of love, and uh, we're very proud of the result.
4: Can you give us a sneak preview or a scoop, just between me and you, as Connie Chung once said years ago, <laughs> about what you're yeah. working on next?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we have kind of two films I'm working on right now with The Knights of Columbus, um, uh, one is on, which is a great honor for me, because I grew up in New York, and my childhood here was Cardinal John O'Connor, uh, the founder Aww. of the Sisters of Life, and pro-life champion, I'm sure you're, you, know, you have a devotion to him, too. And so we're working the Sisters of Life on a biography of Cardinal O'Connor, so we just started working on that in the last few months, and, and we're doing a lot of interviews about him. And it was interesting, because when Dobbs came down, we saw the fall row. there were some people who kind of looked back and said, okay, what?" Who was a pivotal figure in this moment we've arrived at? Mm. And there were some articles coming out and mentioning Cardinal O'Connor, because if you look at the impact of the pro-life movement, um, he was a huge, huge impact uh, from his time in the 80s and 90s as the Archbishop of New York. And and then secondly, there's the act of, of course, the cause for canonization of blessed Michael McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus. Mm. And uh, we produced documentaries about McGivney in the past, but we wanted to kind of take a new approach, and so we're working on a new documentary, probably come out sometime later next year, um, that tells the story of Father McGivney and, and also his impact in founding the Knights of Columbus and, and the many people who are turning to him uh, with their petitions and are getting their prayers answered. So, um, so those are two films that we're working on now, and look forward to, uh, down the road coming on and talking to you about those, uh, those those great men of the Church, Father Blessed Michael McGivney and, and Colonel John O'Connor.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for those. We're talking with David Nellieri, director of the Mother Teresa film No Greater Love. He works with Knights of Columbus and producing these amazing films. So I have to ask you, because I know that when I work on a project or when I do an interview, with, uh, every day I grow in my faith from doing what I do here in the air. I would imagine that when you're diving into these, these great people in the faith, of the faith, that this really encourages you even more to continue what God has called you to do. And I think it probably just opens your eyes even more deeply to the beauty of Catholicism, doesn't it?
1: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think um, I think the, one of the aspects of my job I love the most is that you get paid to spend time researching right. and being inspired by these great figures. So, in many ways, I feel like I've never had a job, um, and you get a chance to be constantly rejuvenated. Um, you know, going to Mother Teresa, the film, kind of the focus of the conversation. She, in 1969, of course, it, it's one of the a little ironies because she, it was a documentary film that helped put her on the map. Malcolm Muggeridge's 1969 film. Um, um, something Beautiful for God, right? That became mm-hmm. a super big hit for the BBC, and that really launched Mother Teresa the fame. And I read a lot about his experience with Mother Teresa, and while he was filming with her, there are many times that he would just kind of overcome by emotion and just kind of wa- walk away and just start crying. And, of course, Malcolm Muggeridge eventually converted to Catholicism.
4: Right, and, right.
1: And my experience with Mother Teresa filming this project was, was similar in the sense that when I traveled to these different apostles, and you kind of get in the same room with them, and they're taking care of someone who's dying, or they're feeding a little baby with a hydrus of with a love and tender care, you just can't help but be overcome by emotion. So it's just a little example of how, you know, producing a film on people like Mother Teresa uh, can really inspire you and really can, you know... Keep you kind of motivated to stay in your faith and to grow spiritually.
4: Now, did you intend when you studied film and, and production, did you intend to always do faith based projects or were you more into the secular end of things in the beginning of your career?
1: No, I actually had a little bit of a unique uh, journey to my profession. I, uh, I initially, as a young person, I got degrees in history and international relations and was not interested uh, or pursuing a film career. And I wound up uh, doing an internship at the Holy See Mission to the UN. When I was 23, 24 years old, I was thinking of going into international relations, state department, that sort of thing. Um, But during a period of of life where I was a little bit uncertain, I did an internship in Canada with uh, Salt and Light TV. Uh, That was back in 2004. So really that opportunity is what opened my eyes to Catholic media, opened my eyes to storytelling, to broadcast journalism. And basically it was like doing a summer internship. I discovered my vocation. So that was wow. kind of my path to it. Um, and I think for me, as a, as a Catholic, as someone who wanted to um, make a positive impact in the culture and tell the Church's story, I always wanted to kind of give society, give the Catholic population an alternative to what you sometimes got from the secular media. Because um, I was always interested in history. So one big thing when I was in college is uh, a book came out, Attacking Pope Pius Twelve. I did a lot of research into Pope Pius XII and the Holocaust and those allegations, and I more and more became convinced that I that I wanted to play a role in giving Catholics a sense of their true history, and an opportunity to rebut a lot of false narratives in the popular media. And so, and so that's what kind of inspired me. And one of the reasons why I love producing films along these lines because I think uh, I think knowing who you are and knowing the truth of your past is a big part of of uh, being part of something and being part of the faith, being, being Catholic. And so the films we've been able to produce with the Knights, whether it's John Paul II or St. Faustina or Lady of Guadalupe, now Mother Teresa, I think it helps ultimately give Catholics a sense of their identity and a sense of their past. And uh, when there's people trying to strip that from you or give you a false understanding of the past or make you feel guilty uh, about, you know, sins of the past, um, we need that alternative message. And so I think that's what, what I'm really proud to have been able to take part in.
4: And we need the truth, which you're able to get out there with your work. I I think this is awesome. And two, I, I think really doing TV and film, radio, TV, broadcast journalism, whatever it is, to do it well from a Catholic perspective, extremely important because we do, we are competing, and you know this as a, as a fellow communications expert, we're competing with the secular world and, and the technology of the secular world. So if we're going to get people's attention, we put out the truth, the beauty, and the good, right? And for example, the life of Mother Teresa. But you have you have done it well in a well-produced documentary that's easy and beautiful to watch.
1: Thank you so much for that. It means a lot to me, and I agree with you 100%. I think... And- and sometimes it's people in difficult circumstances budget-wise where you, you have to produce something that you know, is, is low-budget, and, and that's okay, too. But I think in general, if we can, um, from my perspective, when I'm going out, when I set out to make a film for the Knights of Columbus on a production-level quality standpoint, I wanted to stand up to HBO right. or to Netflix mm-hmm. or Absolutely. to ESPN 30 for 30. And I think to reach these uh, Gen, Gen Z generation and, and, and the millennials, um, They're looking for that, right? And, and if they see something that they associate with mom-pop shop or something, they're more inclined to turn off. So I think it's important to strive for that.
4: Well, we're glad you are. You do it all the time. David, thanks so much. Great to catch up with you. David Nellielli, director of the Mother Teresa No Greater Love documentary and film. And you can find out more information and maybe watch it yourself or share it with others by simply going to com. And promise she'll come on when your next project is done.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
4: All right, David, have a great weekend, and again, the website is MotherTeresaMovie.com. Wrapping up a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection, coast to coast and around the globe on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and we'll tell you what's coming up next on a Friday, actually. We'll be right back.
5: Is social media leading to more young women getting cosmetic surgery? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our daughter and family just welcomed a new baby girl into the world. The boys in our family are now outnumbered for sure. I've witnessed how some of our girls often struggle with self-image and body issues. These issues are now being enhanced by social media. First Peter teaches us that it is not outward beauty that is important, but it should be that of our inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Studies indicate that young women are going under the knife for more cosmetic procedures in direct response to social media. Encourage the women in your life to practice self-compassion. Build them up. Help them find ways to be content in their own skin. True self-esteem is having confidence that I am who God says I am. For more on this, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older
0: family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
4: Appreciate your listenership. Check all our great work out online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Coming up tomorrow, Duck Keck joins us for our inside word. A look at upcoming programming moving into the month of November, of course. At the bottom of the hour on a Friday, Fact Check Friday. Some very interesting stories, including an update on a lawsuit that's being filed and actually a class action lawsuit that is uh, coming against Meta. We'll talk about that. And then we'll wrap up with Can you believe it? We're talking about Advent already. Well, it's always good to be prepared. There's a free online course that's being offered through the wonderful Sacred Heart Major Seminary of Detroit. Dr. Williamson will be joining us. He's a wonderful professor, and he will be leading that course. And it's free. That's good news, too. Talk to you tomorrow on a Friday. Adomani. God bless. Ciao, ciao.
3: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit avemariaradio.net. That's a v e Maria Radio.net. That's Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.